Hi, folks. Keith Jones here. You're fixing to listen to Front Row Knowles on the podcast. But before we get started, we want to thank the Champions Club and specifically Seminole Boosters for sponsoring our podcast that allows us to bring the podcast to you commercial-free. You know, we are one tribe. We are unconquered. In the last uh, few years, Florida State has built a tradition of excellence. But right now, all of us that are Seminoles are facing a challenge. We've got 20 sports programs, all the coaches, student athletes that are involved. We've got some budget cuts that we're trying to uh, work through due to the pandemic. And right now, we need you. In order to provide all of our teams and student athletes with the best possible opportunity for success, we need your help. We need you to join Seminole Boosters. We need you to renew your membership. We need you to increase your contribution. We need you to consider making a gift. We don't talk heavy-handed like this much, but this is the time to be a little heavy-handed. Help us out. Help Florida State out. Help Florida State boosters out. And most of all, we want to continue to thank the boosters and specifically the Champions Club for sponsoring us and bringing Front Row Knowles to you. Stay tuned and listen. Thanks. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles First Look with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Hello, everybody. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. Welcome to Front Row Knowles First Look. Keith, good to see you. Unfortunately, we're going to dissect a game that got away from Florida State. 41-17, Pitt wins it. The final score, ugly. I thought, personally, the fact that they battled back to 24-17 at the half and had the ball coming out, all things considered, I take that. It was a one-possession game. But then I was not aware that Jordan Travis was not going to come out and play the second half, and certainly that changed the complexion of the game. Well, you have to kind of go back to the first part of the game. Pitt gets the ball, drives down, Florida State holds them. They get the field goal, but then FSU scores on the next two possessions to, as you mentioned, go up 14-3 before the wheels started coming off. Um, you know, Marvin didn't play. I don't know if you guys got an update on what his issue was. And as you mentioned, uh, Travis did not come out in the second half or he came out late in, in street clothes. But when the ball when – when we were sitting there 14-3 and then had the um, ruling on the field of a fumble that Florida State scooped and scored – that got reversed, and by the way, it was the correct call. Um, it, it, as we've talked about with this team, whenever they get up or whenever they have some something go bad while they're up, they don't seem to have the ability to rebound from that. And it sounds silly to say that taking that touchdown off of the board deflated them, but that's just where the psyche of this team appears to be. Well, that's why I made the comment, though. The fact that they got that field goal before the half I felt like that would help with the psyche to that point to know that you're getting the ball coming out because where Florida State has been its best this year has been the first drive or two of the game and the first drive or two of the second half. And Kenny Dillingham has explained that. It's because while it's scripted, those are the plays that they're most comfortable with because they run the heck out of them during the week. Then when they have to start adjusting because Pitt's doing X and now you have to do Y, they haven't repped it as much. It's not second nature, and that's when you start seeing – they're overthinking. You see the false start. You see the drop pass. Uh, Ontario Wilson dropped another one. It was just a little bubble screen. He might have gotten four yards on it, but now you're second and six instead of second and ten. So, to me, it's the same same thing. You can't – you can't. Th- this team can't get behind the sticks. When they're ahead of the sticks, they can score. When they get behind them, you just can't get anywhere. Well, and Nardu- Narduzzi, the pit coach, during his interview at halftime, 
made mention of the fact that Florida State had done some things a little differently uh, in, the, in the first couple of series on both sides of the ball, but that his team was able to adjust to them. And, of course, they went at halftime and made some other adjustments. And that speaks to, you know, one of the struggles that Florida State is having this year. When they can script the plays and they can rep them, that's great. But then on the fly to, to do things a little differently, they struggle. Why? Because they're young. Because they're young. I mean, what, three-quarters of that team is, is freshmen and sophomores. Now, again, we're, we're making excuses per se uh, slash reasons. But the one thing that is common amongst young teams is their inability to handle in-game and halftime adjustments. That comes with experience. It is a true statement that it's a very young team. There's something in the FSU game notes that indicates it might be, the, I think, the second youngest in the nation. But then you combine that with the fact, and again, this is – call it excuses, call it reasons – Marvin Wilson doesn't play, and regardless of what he's given you physically this year, he's one of the leaders of the defense. And then Devontae Love-Taylor goes out offensively, and he leads the offensive line. So that's basically your two senior leaders, offensive and defensively, that are not there, and that only adds to the issues. And it was kind of ironic and then ended up being not even funny that, you know, Travis takes off on that 88-yard run against the number one defense, rush defense in the country. And, of course, as I'm looking at the stats, I think Florida State ultimately finished after the sacks with 146 yards net rushing. If you take 88 out of that, that means they had about 50 yards for the rest of the game, again, with the sacks. But you're sitting there thinking, you know, we, we gashed them on this one. We've scored twice. Yeah, we gave up the field goal to begin. We should be in pretty good shape. And then the the mental low of having that, touchdown on that scoop and score taken off that's just something this team's got to learn to be better at handling and maybe maybe it only comes with experience the short fields were an issue too we'll talk about that later on and Mike Norvell's decision to go for it uh, several times on fourth down Uh, the injuries were a factor and then the game just got away when you don't have your quarterback and you end up playing your third string quarterback who's a true freshman most of the second half it's not going to necessarily be that pretty. That said, let's listen into head coach Mike Norvell. This is his comments after Florida State falls to Pitt on Saturday afternoon at Doe Campbell Stadium, forty-one to seventeen. Congratulations to Pitt. Uh, yeah, I thought they did. They did a good job. Uh, you're here tonight. You obviously finishing the game. Um, you know, just throughout. Um, you know, I thought uh, you know going you know going through the contest. You know, we got got off to a good early start. You know, were able to establish the run. You know, had to hit some hit some big plays there early. Um, you know, I thought our defense came out playing with a lot of energy. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, we had a couple, you know, a couple guys that uh, that went down throughout the contest. Uh, you know, had to had to you know, you, you work to adapt and adjust. Uh, you know, it, so it's certain, a couple things there just within the, within the game plan. Um, you know, really kind of got overwhelmed a little bit. Uh, you know, by their defensive defensive forcing unit, they did a good job of creating pressure. You know, really w- wasn't able to get. Uh, um, 
you know, anything established there in the second half. You had a couple a couple turnovers. Um, you know, just was not able to, to reestablish the run game. Uh, they did a good job in some of their pressure packages uh, with what they were with how they were attacking us, and then uh, you know missed out on a couple opportunities there on the perimeter, and just you, we lacked the lacked the explosive play. Uh, you know, after the long run from um, you know from Jordan there early in the contest. Um, you know, I thought our guys you know continued to to fight. I was really pleased with you know, our defense even being able to get that that goal line stand there uh, to force them to a uh, to field goal. Uh, you know, I thought our guys you know c- you know continued to to have you know good energy throughout trying to uh, do everything they could to, um, to 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 make that play to kind of give us that boost there in the second half. Um, you know, I felt uh, you know I felt good you know being able to get points going into halftime, um, but uh, you know unfortunately um, you know, we weren't able to get anything started. You know, put the defense in some really bad situations tonight. Uh, you know, just with um, with field position and and some some uh, turn. Turnovers that uh, that we committed, and you know, right now we're just not in that at that place. Uh, you know, w- within our program, we're we're, we're um, we were able to overcome uh, you know the negatives uh, that uh, that are showing up there offensively, and uh, you know, we just got to be able to, to find a way to get into a rhythm and uh, to be able to move the ball down the field consistently uh, with what we're trying to do. Coach, uh, the last three games, really, uh, you've had problems scoring after halftime. You only had two points. There's a there's a lot of things that are contributing. Uh, you know, early and the in the last two games, you know, scoring you know down in the red zone is we've really struggled uh, there in the second half. You know, just consistency. Um, you know, things have showed up like you know penalties. You know, being in long yardage situations tonight was turnovers and and uh, you know having negative plays that showed up. And uh, you know, right now we're you know we're young up front, and um, you know that was a very experienced. You know, it's the best best defensive line. Um, you know that we place when it comes to you know creating pressure and and uh, um, you know you know getting to the quarterback and you know they were able to you know we tried to you know we tried to mix it up you know with screen game and uh, you know you're doing different things to to try to help us help us out especially when when we had a couple guys go down but uh, uh, you know they were able to get those negative plays and you know we, when we're in those longer yardage situations uh, they're able to tee off on us a little bit more and uh, you know we weren't we weren't good enough to overcome that uh, you know here tonight. Is there anything you can tell us about uh, Jordan's status? And also, um, even after the first couple of drives, uh, it seems like even with him a quarterback, the offense um, kind of had some self inflicted uh, mistakes. Um, I guess. I mean, I thought Jordan was, was playing well. Get, they got some pressure on him there uh, in the second quarter, and um, you know we had some we had some negative plays um, that sh- that showed up, and and that's where that was that was a challenge. We knew coming into the game that we needed to to try to stay ahead of the ahead of the change. You know, keep keep those manageable situations. Uh, you know, we missed it. We missed out on a couple of. Uh, uh, you know, third and, and a couple fourth down, uh, you know, opportunities that end up uh, you know you know, being really big in in, in the course of the, of the of the game. But um, you know, it was it, we just got to have to we have to continue to work on our consistency. Um, you know, I thought Jordan you know, did some good things. You know, obviously they they got some pressure, forced him out of the pocket. Um, you know, had to try to extend things with his hand or with his legs. Um, there was a few few opportunities where you know that decision of you know, being able to throw the ball away once you once you you know, break the pocket, uh, then rather than take the the negative, those are all learning experiences. Those are all things that we have to continue to uh, to, to harp on. We got to continue to to help him grow in in, in that. But uh, you know, he, I thought he did some good things. Uh, you know, the early. Um, you know, made some made some throws. You know, obviously was was uh, you know able to have a couple dynamic plays. Uh, you know, there as a runner, and um, you know, so I thought he was. I thought he was playing solid. We just you know the negative plays really kind of stacked up against us.
How much did the loss of Devontae Love Taylor hurt that group in a sense of being a common voice on the field when things were going sideways? You know, you know, Devontae is, uh, you know, he's our captain up front. You know, he's been he's been such a consistent player for us. Um, you know, he, he is great with communication, um, you know, with, with what we you know, what we ask those guys to do. Um, you know, he is, a, he is, like you said, a calming, a calming voice uh, to uh, with the experience that he has. You know, he's done an extraordinary job throughout this year. Um, when he went down, um, you know, that, that you know, just continued to, to you know, thrust uh, more youth into the game. You know, Darius Washington came in. You know, he's been dealing with an injury for the last, uh, you know, about four weeks. Um, so this was kind of his first extended, you know, work back. Um, and, you know, Darius is still a freshman, and there's some things, you know, there's some things that we're still learning, uh, you know, as as an offensive line group. Um, but uh, you know, these guys are they're 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 working extremely hard to improve. And uh, you know, I appreciate the competitive spirit that they have. I appreciate the, the work that they're investing. And uh, you know, we definitely have uh, you know better days ahead. But uh, you know, obviously, it was a it was a big hit when when Devontae went down. Coach Norvell obviously frustrated too, but he knows that it's we we continue to say this, Keith. We've been saying it for a few years, but in defense of Norvell. This is his first go round with it. It's it's not going to things are not going to get fixed overnight. One of the comments that came out uh, in the national broadcast or the ACC network broadcast that I found interesting: West Durham, uh, a longtime friend of this show and a longtime friend of, of mine and yours personally, was talking about the conversations that they had had with Norvell on Friday, and that one of the statements that he had made, and I had not heard this one before. But one of the statements that he made to him was that we probably, we being FSU, Coach Norvell speaking, I'm paraphrasing, we, we have to hit bottom. And we haven't even hit bottom yet. And then start the rebound. And I don't know necessarily what to make of that. And, and maybe I misheard it a little bit. But one of the things you do here in Nor- Norvell is a continued confidence that the effort is there, and in time, the result will be there. And I didn't see much to dissuade that. I liked the effort uh, at the tail end of the ball game to hold them to the field goal. Uh, I didn't see anybody quitting in the traditional sense. I'd be interested in your take on that. But the effort seemed to continue to be there. There's just some things about youth and the youth of the uh, the lack of time between the coaching staff and the players and developing that trust and, and all that goes into it that points to a season like you're having in 2020. No question. Are we going offense or defense first? Let's go defense. Okay, defense. Next segment, of course, speaking of things sort of snowballing, it didn't help that Kenny Pickett decided today was the, the – Saturday was the day he was going to come back for Pitt because he's a market upgrade over the backup who they had been playing. So we'll discuss that when we continue on Front Row Knowles' First Look. Front Row Knowles' First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles' First Look. Tom and KJ with you defensively, Keith. So first of all, just to set it again, excuses, reasons, you know, pick your term there and how you want to handle it. But defensively, you didn't have Marvin Wilson. And then when you look in the secondary – I think we've had a lot of optimism that Hamza would come back at some point, maybe after the bye week, still wasn't there. On top of that, Travis Jay was out. Renardo Green was out. Josh Griffiths was out, who is in the defensive end rotation. So you were short several bodies. The most significant ad is probably in the secondary. But FSU on the first drive of the game, I forget if it was six or seven plays. If it was seven plays, six of them were good, and the other one was a 50-yard pass that got pit in field goal range. 
but they held well, them to it, a field goal. The, the, in the macro sense, if you look at the stats, Pitt had about 350 yards of total offense. Um, certainly, you saw why Pittsburgh started 3-0 and with, uh, with Pickett in there. Uh, he, he is very mobile. He did run for the one touchdown, but he, you saw his ability to move in the pocket. Florida State only had one sack on him. He finishes the game 21 of 27. Uh, you know, that's, that'll win you some ball games, 210 yards. Um, he showed why Pitt started 3-0 and before he got hurt, because this is a Pitt team that we would be talking about, maybe not in the same breath as North Carolina. I'm not saying they would have worked their way up to fifth in the country. You're not playing a slouch. And then I really think, and, and this will come across as a criticism, but I really think that Norvell's aggressiveness on those two series where Florida State went for it on fourth down gave Pitt that shorter field. Now, they missed a field goal on one of them, scored a touchdown on the other one. But I understand the reason for going for them. But you know, hindsight always twenty twenty. That ended up really handicapping Florida State's defense a little bit because both of those um, drives were were short. And then they had the one punt return that put them in good position as well. So I think the defense played relatively well, given the circumstances. Uh, they certainly have got to get better. But I think you saw why Pickett is is considered a, you know one of the upper quarterbacks, at least in the ACC. He was very efficient and very effective. So the first three drives of the game, Pitt seven, seven plays, 49 yards, they get the field goal. Uh, the next play, the next drive was six plays, 22 yards, and they punt. And the next series was a three and out, and they punt. Then the fourth series is after Travis threw the interception, and they took over at the FSU 32. So that's right. a pretty short – the short field was an issue. I will say this, and just to finish that thought on the short field. So that was after the interception. After they took over on downs, uh, one time it was at the Pitt 47. One time it was at the FSU 47. And the punt return, they took back to the FSU 41. So, I mean, the field position was heavily uh, – Pitt had four drives that started in FSU territory. That's asking a lot. I will say, though, that the sudden change was not very good for FSU's defense. Um, I mean, after the interception, it's, you know, they got the memo a little late and Pitt's already, you know, moved it to the goal line pretty much. That was, that was an area they struggled. And that's also a part of youth. You know, sudden change, uh, a quarterback getting over an interception, a running back getting over a fumble that he loses, you know, that comes with experience. And again, you know, excuses or reasons, our listeners can make their own mind, mate, my mind's up. But I thought the defensive performance was a little better than the points that Pitt scored. Of course, one of them was on a pick six as well. But um, I, I just think they showed some improvement. Uh, it, it just wasn't enough against Pickett. Well, and Pitt's not a great offense. But you're right. The short fields really did Florida State in there. And then it's, you know, you look at the second half and Blackman throws the interception. Pitt takes over that drive at the 20-yard line. So now you're right. up to five drives that are, you know, basically half the field. In terms of uh, total yards, when, when you look at the, the numbers in this game, Pitt had 358 total yards, 210 passing, 148 rushing. Uh, they averaged 5.6 yards per play. I don't know how that compares to what they've done uh, this year. It's not that great a number overall, uh, and it's an improvement for Florida State. But, again, I'll, I'll temper it because it's, it's not a great offense for Pitt either. Agreed. 
and um, you know what you're looking for is improvement. And and again, in a macro sense, I think the defense showed some improvement. Uh, they did not give up you know 550 yards. They didn't give up other than the one long uh, pass play. Did not give up a lot of gash plays uh, in that regard. So I was pleased. And again, you know they're playing without some significant people that Florida State, at least going into the season, I, I think we're counting on. Again, Marvin Wilson has not lived up to the hype or what we thought he would do this year, but Marvin was a first-team preseason all-ACC pick, and Hamza was as well. So neither of those guys was there. Now, Asante Samuel, also well thought of, he really – he's so good on the at the corner spot that they don't throw at him. I know he got called for a pass interference, but basically right. he eliminates one receiver – and you can you can run your offense and just leave Asante over there on an island with whoever it is, and then you're playing ten on ten. That's what's happening with him. Correct, correct. And and coaches know to do that, and coaches know to stay away from that, and they can scheme it. Uh, and I think uh, again with Pickett's accuracy and what he was able to do and moving around in the pocket to buy himself a little bit of time, um, you know that that proves to be difficult for this Florida State defense because they're just not able to get pressure on the quarterback without blitzing. And anytime you blitz, you leave yourself vulnerable somewhere. That's the nature of the beast. They're not getting home when they blitz either, though. So that, that, just, add, that, that just adds to it. Um, hey, let me ask you about Hamza. At this point, we're, we're seven games in. And he's a guy who has NFL aspirations. And, you know, we've seen him out there pregame. Coach Norvell speaks very positively. Uh, do you do you expect that? And I I know nothing because they, they they don't divulge information about where he is in terms of rehab. Do you still think there's a chance that he's coming back at any point? Uh, I don't know. I don't know Hamza, um, so I, I I don't have any insight into that. I would if I were advising him, Tommy. If I were advising him right now, uh, I would tell him not to come back. Um, because if he's going to be somewhat limited and he's going to be, if he comes back, he's going to be asked to do some things because they need the help that might be a little bit out of his wheelhouse. Um, so I, no, I don't expect him back. I wouldn't, if he came to me and asked me that question, I would say no. He doesn't solve, he alone doesn't solve FSU's issues, but we forget how good he was, especially at triggering and coming downhill the last two years. I mean, he was in a race. If a linebacker's in the wrong gap, Hamza was going to be in the right gap and make the tackle. I, I, we, we forget that. And you know this, you played safety, and there's been different reasons uh, for poor play from the safeties this year. But Hamza not being there is at the very top of that list. Well, go back and look at the tape and look at Pittsburgh's safeties. And that's the reason they have the number one rush defense in the country, because they play like Ham plays. Now, agreed, uh, Jordan made the, the safety miss on the long run. That'll happen occasionally. But if you go back and look at the tape and pay special attention to, to pit safeties, they're walked up, they're close to the line of scrimmage, and they don't miss very many tackles. And you've got to have that if you're going to have a very effective rush defense. No question. And that's after their top safety opted out this week. Agreed. Like, exactly. Well, that goes to something we can say for the offensive side of the conversation a little bit, and that is Jordan Travis is not going to beat you with his arm, and so teams are adjusting that. But we'll, we'll save that for, for next segment. What else about the defense, Keith? Uh, you know, short fields were tough. Couldn't force turnovers in this game today. That, that obviously hurts. 
uh, poor tackling. And that's been something that uh, has plagued FSU uh, at various times, but in every game, but at various times during those games. And I, I know you didn't have spring. I know contact's been limited. I know coaching staffs are having to, to try to adjust. But, and, and I also acknowledge that we've seen poor tackling by other teams. Uh, but I, I, would, I would venture to say that if you would rededicate yourself to some time in practice and not just thud, but go ahead and bring people down, then that missed tackles would change because you go back and look at that tape. There were, there were 10 occasions, Tommy, where a linebacker or a defensive back for Florida State hit a pit receiver or runner and didn't wrap up. And all they did was bounce off like a ping pong ball. You can only get better at tackling by tackling. And when you're not very good at it, you try to hit someone down instead of tackle someone down. And Florida State has been plagued by that, not consistently, not uniformly, but at unfortunate times in almost every ball game. I thought Fabian Lovett played hard and played well. He had two series in a row there in the second half. Late in the game when it was decided more or less, he got the sack, the only sack FSU had that forced a three and out. Then he got the third down stop at the goal line. And for all those defenses issues, I know grand scheme of things, it was, you know, it wasn't going to change the outcome, but I, I did appreciate that there was still effort there to get a goal line stand late in the game. Well, and that's what we've talked about. And that's what coach Norvell has said as well. Uh, it hasn't been a question of effort. It's been a question of execution. Uh, so, yes, he represents or, or typifies what you at least want out of players, even when the scoreboard is not obviously in your favor. That's the defensive side of the ledger. We'll get to the offense, talk about Jordan Travis, Chubba Purdy, and the like when we continue right here on Front Row Knowles First Look. Front Row Knowles First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles First Look. Tom and KJ with you. Florida State falls, falls hard to pit. Uh, you go, I'm always uh, – it, it seems, you know, Keith, I, I keep notes during the games. And so when you say 41-17, yes, the game was out of hand. But when I go back and look at my notes – you really can point to one or two plays on each drive that blow things up. And for Florida State the last couple of years, it's been a false start here, and now it's first and 15 on the drive. Or one of the times they went for it on Saturday, it was going to be fourth and one. You get a false start, and it's fourth and six. Those kind of mistakes are so critical. Now, if you're Jameis in the 13 knolls, doesn't matter. You overcome it. But this Florida State team is just not good enough to overcome those kind of mistakes. Their, their margin for arrow is very, very small short or whatever the appropriate uh, word is there. Um, like I said, they came out blazing in, in those first two drives. And you, you kind of wonder, you know, if, if success uh, makes them think differently or makes them lose concentration or something. I don't know. Most of the, again, most of the things we're talking about are above the shoulders. You know, they're not necessarily uh, effort and or physical ability things. They're, you know, being able to process information and being able to execute during the game. Uh, I think the offensive line, however, took a little bit of a step back. I know uh, Pitt has two very good defensive ends. And, you know, if you look at the statistics, uh, the top three uh, players that have tackles for loss in the conference are all three Pitt defensive linemen. Uh, they, they are very good in that regard. 
but at the same time, you know, either by scheme or by adjustment, you've got to find a way to help some of the kids out. And again, you know, Florida State's tackles struggled a little bit. One of them is a true freshman. Uh, and, and it just, you know, it, it ends up being seven sacks and 14 tackles for a loss um, that, that they get against your offense that continues to put you behind the change, which was your point as we began the conversation. The 14-3 lead. So on those first two drives, now Jordan Travis had an 88-yard run. But the first drive Florida State had, I think, 42 yards rushing, something like that. So through two drives, FSU had more yards than anybody has rushed against Pitt this year through two drives. Correct. You're you're feeling pretty good at that point. But that's when Pitt makes the adjustment and Florida State just could, could never get on track after that. And, again, that goes back, repeating myself, to Pitt as a, as a little more veteran team, particularly on their defensive side. So after those first two series, they make some adjustments, they change some things up, and Florida State uh, is only able to muster a field goal the rest of the way through, what would that be, three and three and a half quarters, three and a third quarters? So you're right, yes. So the third drive of the game is when Jordan Travis threw the interception. And now this is something we haven't seen. It looked like at least three plays, maybe four to me, Jordan and whoever the outside receiver was, they were not on the same page. He was throwing a go, and the receiver was pulling up for a hitch, and then the opposite happened. And I don't know if that's because Terry was out and coming back from injury or Pitt was doing something with their defense and the receiver's reading it one way and Jordan the other, but we've not seen that until Saturday, and it cost Florida State. Well, again, this is going to sound like a harsh criticism, but go back and look at who the receiver was. On at least two of them, it was Portier, and, and he just hasn't had a lot of reps uh, as a youngster. And so I, I would attribute that to the inexperience of the wide receiver. Uh, but you'd have to ask Kenny specifically, uh, you know, what the case was. But that would be my first, first guess. So that was the third drive. The fourth drive of the game, uh, Florida State had Ja'Kai Douglas open on the sideline, and TV did not show a replay of it. I don't know if he came out on a wheel route, but whatever it is, it looked like it was a pretty good ball, and he just didn't make the catch. Those are the plays Florida State needs to make. I mean, if you take a shot like that, you got to make that catch. When, when you're limited, when you're young and you're limited, you're exactly right. You've got to make those plays. We saw two weeks ago uh, against Louisville that Florida State's receivers were dropping the ball. Uh, the other thing that that came into play is – particularly in the second half, Florida State would try to run those bubble-type screens to the wideout, and there were a couple of times that the pit defender, you know, was basically in the backfield and it almost intercepted the pass. And if you go back and look at who was supposed to be making the block, it was one of the younger wide receivers. So their inexperience, their youth really, really hurt Florida State in this particular ballgame. No question. I'm just so that that drive where Ja'Kai Douglas doesn't make the catch. And again, I didn't see a replay, but it looked it looked live like it was a pretty good throw. Uh, That's the drive where FSU went for it on fourth down twice. They obviously made it the first time. The second time it was going to be fourth and one. And you get that false start. And I don't know if the center was a tad late. It was not an obvious false start. It was it was a nanosecond that they caught Cam McDonald on it. But on, on the sideline, Alex Atkins was all over the center. So I don't know if it was a tad bit late or what it was, but again, repeating ourselves, same show every week, that those are the mistakes that kill you and you don't convert on that situation. 
One of the things about momentum, Tommy, and again, I'll go back to if you had been credited with that touchdown on that scoop and score that would have put Florida State up 21-3, youth reacts. And so, you know, it's fourth and one. It's the second time on a series we're going for it. I've got to make sure I do or don't do whatever it is I'm supposed to do or not do. And you're exactly right. You just think too much. And, you know, we, we talk about on defense that if you hesitate, you're lost. A lot of times on offense, if you spend too much time thinking about it, you're lost as well. You jump off sides, you miss a, a, a route, uh, you miss a key, you make a wrong decision. Uh, it all goes hand in hand. Uh, and again, excuse versus reasons. I know our listeners are tired of it, but that's what happens when you're young and when you haven't had a lot of time together. Let's talk about some of the fourth down aggressiveness. What were your thoughts? Um, Obviously, in retrospect, they look bad because you didn't convert them. Uh, I thought I I didn't necessarily have a a problem. The only one I had a problem with was the one we're talking about. When you go fourth and six and you're you're still in your own territory, um, I I, I think you might want to rethink that one. And – other than that, I liked it. The, the downside is that Norvell continues, and I appreciate this, I applaud it, but he continues to try to coach like he knows he's got a defense that can go back on the field and stop. And, and Florida State's defense is just not right there yet. Again, sudden change and those types of things, whether it's offensively or defensively. Um, so that's the only one I have any criticism with. When it was fourth and one, you get the penalty, it's fourth and six you probably might want, might want to rethink that one. And it moved the ball from, from roughly the pit 41 to the pit 46, something like that, that penalty. So, so it was right at being in Florida State territory. Yeah. yeah, but if you're at the 41 going in and you don't get it, you know, you're, you're too far for a field goal, a punt might go in the end zone. I get the call there. I asked him about it post game, and uh, his comment was that they spend a ton of time studying the analytics on when to go and when not. And he said the fourth and six – that was that was right at the range of should we or should we not kind of thing. But it's it's not a spur-of-the-moment decision. I mean, they, they've looked at this. My only criticism, and this one, it's a game flow thing, so it's really not even a criticism because Toa Feely was probably on the field. But they got to a fourth down once they didn't convert, and Toa Feely was the back. They tried to squeeze up the middle, and I would have rather seen Webb do that. But I realized they were going quickly. Toa Feely was who was in, so that's that's why it unfolded that way. And I think you have to credit Pitt for the way they were playing Jordan Travis. They were forcing the handoff up the middle. They were not going to let Travis get outside around him to get those two yards. That is correct. That is correct. And, again, you know, we can sit hindsight 2020 and be critical. Um, I, I like the aggressiveness. I like the, the uh, thought process that goes into it. You know, the college game is just different than it was, you know, 20 or 40 years ago. Um, but, you know, sometimes you also got to go with your gut. And, and fourth and six, I don't care what the numbers say, that's a difficult thing to do in most situations. So were you surprised second half when James Blackman was the quarterback to start the third quarter? I was shocked. I was shocked because there had been no indication by anything that I had seen uh, I don't recall – I recall one play when Travis got hit from behind 
on a scramble that he was a little slow getting up, but I didn't see anything that would lead me to believe that he would be unable to come back in the second half. So I was shocked that the quarterback change had been made. And then I was shocked that it was Blackman and not Chuba because that's who they went to last time. So um, a double shock, I guess you'd say. How about you? Well, I didn't know anything was wrong with Travis. I agree. And, and uh, Norvell didn't speak to this, but my thought is he probably got his bell rung a little bit when he got hit from behind. And as they evaluated, they figured him out. Pure speculation. I don't know. If you look at the first half, Travis ran the ball up the middle on the final play before the field goal. So he was still out there. So obviously they assessed him at halftime. Maybe it's not that. I, I don't know what it is. Um, I thought the Chubba playing against Louisville was – it was late in the game. They gave him a couple drives. Uh, I think it's easy as fans and media to say Chubba's the next guy. And maybe ultimately it is. Chubba's missed a, a ton of time. I mean, he missed half a fall camp. He missed six weeks. And so – as much as people are frustrated by Blackman, one of the things people say about Blackman is he was thrown into the fire too early and it just ruined him and he's never been the same. And in saying that, you're saying, so let's throw Perda into the fire before he's ready and maybe we'll ruin him too. I mean, if you play that argument out. But I, I know I hear you. And, and I think the other part of it, candidly, everybody knows Blackman's a team guy. And if you don't give Blackman at least a chance – what does that do to the rest of the team and that sort of thing? So, I mean, maybe they felt a little safer. Game was still one possession. Let's go with the veteran. He throws one play, it's picked, and they're like, well, if that's what we're going to get there, now we're definitely going to the younger guy. Only, uh, you know, only Coach Norvell could answer that if he would when posed with that question. You know, I can think of some other things. I know Florida State was scheduled to get the ball coming out in the second half. And so maybe they're thinking, you know, it's probably going to be on the 25-yard line. And so we'll put our experienced guy in, and he won't make a mistake on the first drive of the second half. And when the field position is a little better, then we'll go to the freshman. You could make up 97 other scenarios, I'm sure. i got a little bit more on offense, but we need to take a break. We'll, we'll get to it in the next segment. This is Front Row Knowles' first look. Front Row Knowles First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles First Look. Keith, let's finish up the offense, and then you can get to the Prime Meridian Bank play of the game. Uh, you know, I saw some folks questioning, did, did, the, did the run get abandoned? But I think we need to go back and remember that when, when you have Blackman in there or Purdy, Neither of them is Jordan Travis, and you can really appreciate how much Jordan Travis makes the run game go. I don't know that you can be back there with with Blackman and Purdy and just hand off and run it up the middle and think that you're going to have the same success that you do when you have the illusion, uh, you know, and, and the ability of Jordan Travis. Well, two things. Number one, his ability, and number two, to run the RPO, you've got to be able to make right decisions, and that was one of the conversations and and candidly, one of the criticisms w- that was made of Blackman early in the year uh, is that he does he just doesn't do that very well. And so uh, you're exactly right. And right now, Purdy is a freshman. Uh, I know Travis has limited uh, uh, time as well as a youngster, but you know Purdy's not able to make those decisions. So it's not only just uh, Jordan's abilities to run, but his decisions on when to run, when to hand off and that type of thing that go into play as well. Keith Leesburg's own Wyatt Rector got a touchdown. 
How about that? I feel like you should be a proud, uh, I know you're from Wildwood, but still, same neck of the woods. My mom, my mom lives in Leesburg, so I have to pull for her. Yeah, I have never seen that play before, anywhere, by anybody. And, of course, uh, it worked, and, and that's great. But that was very, very creative. I don't know whether uh, uh, who came up with that, who originated it, whatever. Uh, well, obviously, we saw Pittsburgh bring in their backup quarterback and score a couple of times because he's a much better runner than an injured picket. Uh, but that was very creative. I'm very happy for him. That was, that, was, that was cool. That said, that is not our play of the game, so I'll let you take it from here. Our primary bank performance of the game slash play of the game obviously goes to Jordan Travis on an 88-yard touchdown run. Uh, did a great job of uh, reading and then made a super move on a very aggressive pit defense and just ran out of an arm tackle uh, from the safety. Showed a little bit of speed, too. I wasn't sure uh, he was going to be able to make it the whole 88 yards. I thought maybe somebody would run him down, but he showed a little quicks. And obviously our primary and bank performance of the game is courtesy of primary and bank, two locations in Tallahassee, Capital Circle Northeast, and Timberlane, as well as locations in Crawfordville and Lakeland, business checking, personal checking, home mortgages, uh, stop by, get you a, a bottle of water or a cup of coffee. And uh, as Tom and I occasionally do when we get out, uh, oh, we pick I, up one of those chocolate chip cookies. I, I know. They, hand out, they hand out cookies. They hand out cookies. That's yeah, yeah. So uh, check them out. Uh, stop by and say hello or check them out on the web at trymybank.com. That's Prime Meridian Bank. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. KJ, I thought this was the first time this year that Florida State lost the special teams battle. They did not do a great job on punt coverage. The kick returns didn't go anywhere. Uh, you did get a, cut, a, a big field goal before the half, but uh, overall in the return game, I, I thought they'd been making strides, but uh, Saturday didn't feel that way. Well, uh, the special teams had been an area of consistency pretty much throughout the entire game, uh, season rather. Obviously, go back early in the game with the uh, – block field goals and, and uh, punt and that type of thing. But I would agree with you. Uh, and um, I don't know what to make of that. Maybe that's just an aberration because I know they spend a quality amount of time working on special teams. But, yeah, they didn't do uh, – special teams did not do Florida State any favors uh, today. Um, you know, the punt, the punt average was good, but that one return was very hurtful. So – Let's let's play this forward. We don't know Jordan Travis's uh, situation, but if he can't go, is it Purdy time this week? Uh, you know that's a tough question. I think I think the answer to that is, what do you think you want to do against uh, NC State? You know what what is their strength defensively? If you think you can throw the ball down the field, uh, it was good to see Tamar and Terry back. He only had two catches for 14 yards, I think it was. He's not he's not 100% healthy. You could tell that. Uh, but it's good to have him back. Uh, you know, if you want to throw the ball, then I think you bring James back. If you want to continue running the offense the way it is being run and then ask the freshman to do a little bit more because he's got, you know, some more reps underneath his belt, and obviously he would have the bulk of reps uh, during practice, you would go with him. Uh, that, that's a difficult call, but an interesting call. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be, obviously, all Florida State faithful will be interested in seeing how that plays out. 
Well, there'll be another former Florida State quarterback on the other uh, sideline in Bailey. Isn't that something? Yeah. Looking at that game on Friday night, uh, Derek King, obviously, not that anybody Florida State has is, is uh, Derek King, but the mobility of the quarterback. I mean, what, what, what I saw is Miami took a ton of deep shots in that game, and then they also used the quarterback and beat him with his legs. So uh, that second part might, might be more a calling for Purdy. Agreed. Agreed. And, um, you know, they didn't ask Chuba to throw the ball down the field. You know, I don't, I don't have a read. I've not heard anybody say, you know, we know James throws a, a very nice long ball. I don't know what the, the rep uh, on Purdy is. But if he is in there, again, based on what we saw Friday night, you probably want to take some more chances, particularly if Tamarian is, is getting healthier, because uh, you, you've got an opportunity there uh, if, you, if you do take them. Again, folks, this is a first-look show. We have no idea what the status of Jordan Travis will be, so we'll just let that play out. This is immediately in the aftermath of the game, so by the time you're listening, you you may know more than what we're sharing at this point. Keith, uh, what else is Florida State plays this forward? I mean, you just have to take – I guess, and it, it feels like moral victory category when you talk about this, but uh, if the effort is still good, if a guy like Tamari and Terry is coming back when the team is two and four – and willing to get out there and invest, even when he's not 100%, and he's got a chance at the next level, uh, that that would tell me that guys are at least buying in and and wanting to see this program grow. Doesn't mean it's going to grow any faster, but that's better than the alternative. Well, I think it goes back to, and I, I'm probably placing way too much importance on again what what Coach Norvell said in that uh, production meeting on Friday to the ACC Network guys, but if he perceives that you know, there's some some continuing bottoming out that needs to take place. Then that tells me you keep playing the youngsters, and you don't worry about the scoreboard, and you don't worry about the one loss record. It's not that you're throwing up your hands and quitting, but what you're saying is is we're building for the future. We're not building for now, and we're not we're not just going to you know do everything in our power to win a ball game, and that's. You know, it took Florida State four or five years to get here. It's going to take more than one season to get out of it. Um, and, and, you know, you just you, – coaching staff has to keep the, the pressure up. They have to keep their good attitude. And then you play the kids that, that want to play. And uh, there's probably, Tommy, there's probably still a number of those uh, youngsters that uh, haven't bought in, even if they give a little bit of lip service or occasionally uh, give effort on the field. Um, so you got to continue to ferret that out. That, see, that's another thing that spring does. When you have those 15 practices in spring, if you're a new staff, you find out about the kids that want to be there, the kids that will give the effort, the kids that are doing what you're asking them to do. That's, that's unbelievably hard to do during fall camp when you're trying to get ready to play ball games. Well, we'll see as the season winds on, but, uh, you know, there's a chance to get another 15 practices at a bowl game that would be much welcomed. You know, FSU, they're not going to get to 500. You don't have to be 500 for a bowl game. I see you shaking your head. Are you saying it's better to just turn the page? No, 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 no. I'm shaking my head in that can you – will you get invited to a bowl game if you're three and eight? Now, I mean, I know you can go if you have a losing record. The NCAA has said that. But – if you're a bowl 
do you want to take a Florida State at three and eight? I, I don't know the answer to that. That's what I'm shaking my head about. Yeah, I um, think I think the answer at three and eight, I think the answer is no. At at four and seven, uh, it's a better chance, but it's not so much the bowls. Candidly, it's the ACC protecting its other teams that have better records. Correct. That's that's I, where I, the, and I and I understand that 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 and I don't know if those rules are still in play. Normally, there's a rule that. You, you know, you can't – if you finish the year and you're eight and four, you can you can get a bowl over a team that's nine and three, but not over one that's ten and two. You can't jump up two spots. I don't know if right. those rules are in play this year for the ACC. I think given the results Saturday, it's looking less likely that Florida State would, would go there. Having said that, there are bowls that would like to have Florida State and would take the draw. I mean, FSU's on the ACC network for a few weeks in a row right now. I mean, there's a reason for that, you know. And back to your original point, this team needs those extra 15 practices, you know, kind of like the spring they didn't have or a double spring for the one that's coming up. Um, it, 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 it's, a, it's a difficult situation for a bowl to pick, you know, a team with a losing record. I get that. But, you know, Florida State, if they have a reputation for traveling well, that would be great. If it was somewhere close or in the state of Florida where folks could get to easily, that would be great. Uh, I just my shaking my head was simply the optics. How about that overused word? The optics of a bowl taking a three and an eighteen, uh, even it is, even in COVID twenty twenty. Uh, I just don't know how that would work. Well, now's not the time to discuss uh, bowl hopes. Uh, Florida State's got to get uh, back at it. NC State on the road this week. That's never been an easy place for Florida State to play. So we'll see what happens. We'll do this again on Wednesday. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks for joining us on Front Row Knowles First Look.